0: It's 6 p.m. I'm Christopher Biddle. Welcome to Community Matters, a discussion with leaders, reporters, and the residents of the Gunnison Valley on KBUT. Just in case you're a loyal listener, Community Matters is the same program that KBUT launched in haste back in the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic impacting this community. Four months later, hundreds of questions answered, countless topics covered. This program finally has a name. We're calling it Community Matters. We're excited about that, but of course, we're not here to talk about branding. We're here to talk about the issues at hand. As always, you can call or email or Facebook your questions for tonight's program. What are your thoughts on rising cases of COVID-19 in the Gunnison Valley? Are you struggling now that certain unemployment funds have expired? Are you wondering about enforcement, testing, vaccines? Call with your questions to 970-349-7444. You can also email news at KBUT.org or find us on Facebook. Now to introduce tonight's panel, Joni Reynolds, director of Gunnison County Health and Human Services, is with us tonight. A frequent guest, as always. We so appreciate your time, Joni. Hi, Christopher. Thanks for
1: being here, for having me here.
0: Liz Smith is also with us. Liz is the newly appointed county commissioner for Gunnison. She recently filled a seat left vacant by John Mesner. This is her first time on the show. Thanks for being with us, Liz.
2: Thank you, Christopher.
0: I'd like also to welcome and thank Chris Rourke, editor of the Gunnison Country Times, and my co-host this evening. Thank you so much, Chris.
3: Thanks, Christopher. It sounds like you're introducing the contestants in a prize fight.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, joining us later, I don't know how to react. Joining us later tonight, um, he is not with us now. He will be later on. Dr. Eric France is the chief medical officer for the Colorado Department of Public Health. Uh, First time we've had a representative from the state's COVID-19 response team here, and we're excited to welcome Dr. France when he joins us later. Uh, for now, though, I am going to uh, turn things over with our first question to Chris Rourke.
3: All right. Thanks, Christopher. Joni, this one's for you. Um, I was on the uh, town hall today when you were discussing you know, the, the new cases. Of course, there's a lot of community concern. All of a sudden, we are seeing those cases rise. Um, you talked about the difference between the, the stages with the, the the case numbers look more like that orange-yellow zone of the uh, coronameter, whereas our healthcare system is more like green, so it's allowing us to stay in that blue stage right now. You know, really, how close do you think we are in um, in imposing more stringent public health orders? Do you, do you see us maintaining this for a little while? What are your thoughts?
1: It's a great question, Kristen. I really wish I knew that an easy answer to that question because I don't. It seems like it's complicated and it's a daily monitoring for me. And so while well, I saw the test results come in over the weekend and help the team with doing the contact tracing and the follow-up calls, it really was necessary to put it in the context of what was happening elsewhere in the community. So what was happening at GBH and what were we seeing for EMS transfers? And were we seeing any concerns around staffing or any concerns Um, in general at GBH? Or regionally, were we seeing an increase in hospitalizations or numbers over in Grand Junction or Montrose or even on the Front Range? And, And I'm pleased that we're not. And I think that's a trend that we're seeing nationally. And it's a trend that appears consistent from the analysis we can do. Again, these are limited numbers of cases, but the case numbers that we do have, the analysis shows two things. One is that more folks that are the folks that are getting tested more of them are younger and those that are testing positive more of them are younger Um, and it's it's pretty significant the average age median age um, back in march for positive tests was 50 and the median age for positive tests currently is 41. so that's a downward shift of pretty significant impact and so we do know as we talked about early on before really before the chaos really ensued was that um, COVID will affect people differently. And for some people, their um, disease course will not include complications and hospitalization. And that ultimate goal of really flattening the curve and managing this, you know, complicated dance that we've talked about a few times is to make sure that we have this right balance where we have the right um, protection in the community um, for our healthcare system so that we can respond to all the healthcare needs in the community. Um, But we also, you know, want to be sure that we support the entire community, both economically and socially and emotionally to the extent possible. And so I feel like I'm doing this double step, Chris, trying to, you know, predict and know what our data is saying and what it might look like tomorrow. Uh, We still have incomplete data, of course, for the most recent week, but the trend looks good. It doesn't look worse than last week, the week that I was out and not in the EOC on Monday, the 20th, it was alarming for sure. And um, I really wanted to see, is this sustained for another week or is this maintained? And right now we're not increasing, which is really another good sign from my perspective.
3: So I'm curious because on the Corona you have these seven conditions. Of course, if, if, if three are hit, there's the potential of, of uh, changing the uh, restrictiveness of these um, health, health uh, not conditions, but criteria um yeah so we know that young people typically i think it's it's commonly maybe understood that younger people are going to rebound a little faster maybe not need the hospitalization so does that allow for you know that the good conditions as far as hospitalization and and treatment and and whatnot in the healthcare system not being overwhelmed because maybe it's a younger population now contracting the illness
1: yeah, absolutely. And and that really is is you know an interesting aspect to the most current surge in cases. Then and, and, and again, this is being seen elsewhere in Colorado and elsewhere across the country. Um, so it, it certainly, it's certainly certainly supportive in the sense that it allows us again to you know kind of walk this fine line between having too many restrictions and not enough restrictions to keep our community safe. And what we're seeing is that yeah, the younger Individuals are not having the complications and the hospitalization rates that we saw, particularly with those that were most vulnerable. And you know that we lost in our community those six souls that are no longer with us. Were um, you know in an older demographic for the most part, so that that we're not seeing at this point.
3: So, do you think maybe uh, those of us who are older <laughs> got the wake up call and said, "I don't want to get that stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away."
1: yeah, I think that's so possible. I know I had a you know landmark birthday myself last Monday, and it certainly was a, a consideration in my own plans for um, my celebration, which was just my immediate family, my husband and I. But we, um, you know we did think about it. and I do think that lots of folks are thinking about what their risks are and making choices based on that. And' I'm, I'm you know, that makes me super happy that folks are making those decisions for themselves. and I'm hopeful we can continue to have folks that are at risk taking less um, opportunities in the community and more to insulate themselves to try to avoid having spread into those vulnerable population areas. So that means you didn't go to the senior buffet for your birthday? Did not, Chris. Okay, that's, that's I would have qualified for a discount, but I didn't go.
3: On my birthday, I wanted to go to the senior buffet and she said, no buffets, Chris.
0: You're listening to <laughs> Chris, Kim- on a
1: good day, a public health director could not go to a buffet.
0: <laughs> This is Community community Matters here on KBUT. My name is Christopher Biddle. Thank you, Chris Rourke, for that question and Joni for that response. Uh, I'd like to send the, the conversation on over to Liz Smith now. Uh, so I think this is a question that everybody's wondering. Uh, Liz, you've been working with the Democratic Party for quite some time, but I believe this is your first position uh, as an appointed official, a uh, government employee, uh, what a time to enter government work in the United States! Uh, can you describe what it's like been so what it's been like so far? Have you uh, felt public scrutiny already? Are you feeling budget pressure? Tell us what it's been like.
2: Well, it's it's been surreal and totally unexpected, but welcomed on my part. I was actually very interested in making a career pivot into public service, though I could hardly have predicted. Uh, that things would unfold quite the way that they have. Um, I think that it's natural for any high-profile position like this to garner scrutiny and questions from the community. So that's something that I anticipated. But um, my understanding of this position um, has a lot to do with, like, as you were mentioning, the, the Democrats that I've been working with for years now and the top criteria for this job if you look at the actual credentials that are required it's being 18 and living here Um, you just have to be an avid learner and you have to be ready to get in there and make tough decisions and listen to your community and those are all things that I know that I can do very well and so as far as the skill sets go I know that I have those Um, and I think that really It's up to me, you know, for the next five months to prove that to the community that, you know, I am a person who can listen and take these issues that are concerning to them to the board and be a meaningful and helpful part of that conversation and the policy that that we develop from there.
0: And so obviously, as we said, it's a new position for you being a county commissioner, but uh, by no means, uh, you know, are you new to the community or probably new to you know, paying attention to uh, what's been happening uh, over the course of the past four months? Uh, are you bringing anything new to the table in terms of the county's reaction to COVID-19 and and uh, as well as the the economic recovery, as well as the uh, public health uh, reaction?
2: I have to think that everybody is already bringing something unique and different to the table in a, in a community response like this. If you look back at the way that Joni and all the people around her have been responding to this crisis since March, um, I just, I keep returning to the fact that there's no modern analog to this and that every community right now is struggling and that all of the leaders who are guiding us through are trying to use the best data and science and statistics that we have available to make the best policy decisions that are likely to protect our citizens, keep us safe, keep our economy open. Um, we, we all know how hard this is right now. I, I can't think that there's anybody here who hasn't lost something during this time, who hasn't mourned <laughs> the loss of something that they thought would happen. And so, uh, for my part, I feel like, you know, certainly I have my own strengths. I am a different person than the other county commissioners that are sitting on the board right now. I'm a woman, I have a leadership style that is based and rooted in collaboration um, and empowerment. And so I, I do feel like I bring that different perspective to the table, which isn't to say that Jonathan and Roland are not that way, they absolutely are. But I feel like as a woman, I have a different set of experiences that really inform the way that I look at my responsibility to the public.
0: You're listening to Community Matters here on KBUT. Thank you so much, Liz, for uh, joining us this evening and and, uh, getting uh, an idea of what things have been like so far as the new county commissioner. Uh, It's great to have you uh, in on the conversation. As always, you can call and ask your questions. Um, Speaking, of course, to the listeners, 970-349-7444. Chris Rourke is my co-host and editor of the Gunnison Country Times. Chris, do you have any questions for our newest county commissioner, Liz Smith?
3: Sure. Um, You know, we were talking about this before we went on the air, but um, a recent article in the Colorado Sun highlighted some of the difficulties Joni has had in doing her job, meaning um, harassment and threats and um, she's spoken about that in, in some of our own local meetings and, um, anytime you're in a public position, like you were saying, there's going to be scrutiny. Are, are, do you feel like this is a widespread problem? Are you concerned about the safety of yourself as, uh, as things move along and perhaps people who will be critical, um, you know, anybody working in government, like I said, putting themselves in the hot spot like that, certainly there are some concerns.
2: I, I have thought about this very carefully, um, and I, I, I come to this, actually, when, when all of this was unfolding there, I, I went to school for my PhD in Norman, Oklahoma, and there was a politically motivated rape for one of the councilwomen there that, ha- that really just shook all of my friends and colleagues who still live there um, to know that that happened. <laughs> Um, it was she lived in a duplex and the perpetrator broke into the wrong side and so the the councilwoman actually wasn't affected it was her neighbor, mm. but uh, I think that this is telling of how tense um, and how divisive our politics have become and I can't say that it doesn't concern me because I know that that division is in some degree everywhere it's you know ubiquitous in our political climate but at the same time, I feel like that almost makes it more important to step in where leadership is needed and that there's a sort of public responsibility if you can serve, if people are tapping you on the shoulder and this is something that you think that you have skill sets for, I, I don't feel like it's a reason to shy away, if that makes sense.
3: Sure, and of course we see things much more escalated on a, on a national level than we do see here. But at the same time, um, you know, it, it it can be intimidating in the midst of everything that we're dealing with right now, with a pandemic and and with imposing health orders and um, and and whatnot.
2: Absolutely, and I I am heartened by the fact that I think that despite the divisiveness of our national politics here in our county, we still have a lot of tension. We still have a lot of pain, and there's a lot of. Disagreement that we see happening right now, but I think that at the end of the day, we do, you know, share a lot more common ground in this community than we see on the national political scene. Great, thank you, Christopher.
0: Well, I think I appreciate you bringing that question up, Chris. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of uh, tonight's show, we will have a guest joining us later on. Dr. Eric France is working with. The state, And as we know from the article that you mentioned in the Colorado Sun, this is uh, an issue that we're seeing statewide, and I'd like to revisit that perhaps when Dr. France uh, joins the conversation later. I do want to mention, uh, of course, uh, KBUT is right now in our membership drive. We are asking uh, for members to join our mission. That includes bringing conversations such as this uh, to your living room or to your workspace, to your vehicle. Uh, that you count on, and we're asking you for your support and continuing to to bring that to the community. Uh, and Coincidentally, if you'd like to ask a question tonight, it's the same number to call, 970-349-7444. Uh, Joni, I did want to uh, come back to something that you mentioned in the update that came out in the update, and I believe you talked about in the town hall meeting today, that we learned that there aren't necessarily hot spots um, I think you, what was the word that was used was a spattering of cases around the county in this increase in the, the cases that we're seeing. There isn't any sort of defined hot spot. Does that mean that we are experiencing community spread?
1: Yes, it does. We are experiencing community spread and we have been experiencing community spread, although at a much lower rate um, before we entered into this period in July, which, likely dates back to early July, um, likely around the 4th of July holiday itself is when we saw an increase um, just based on the test results and the time that it would have correlated to exposure period. So um, I don't think we've ever eliminated community spread in the county. We have seen it um, just in a few cases in a month rather than multiple in a week, but it has continued and Part of that I've described as the crossroads. We invite people to come here because that's part of our culture and our county and we go other places and come back here. And so it's hard to know if it's happening from one individual to another within the county or travels in and out of the county that are impacting that. Um, But the most recent cases seem more likely connected back to social gatherings or events and activities again around summer and 4th uh, of July certainly be in a kickoff point for that. But in general, folks wanting to be able to spend time out you know, with friends and in gatherings with family and others at a time when we still have the virus in the county and elsewhere in the state.
0: And now, Jenny, we are aware of at least one outbreak at McDonald's in Gunnison, and I understand that that they are voluntarily closed. Are we aware of an outbreak at a specific location like that simply because they voluntarily disclosed that?
1: No, I did a declaration of that as an outbreak. I did that on Friday. That's really when I had the demonstrable evidence that we had um, case positive cases in the Um, actually in the establishment without clear evidence of outside contact. In other words, the only contact that the cases had were in the restaurant and they did not have uh, social gatherings or other connections outside of the restaurant. So um, I did communicate that to the restaurant itself to let them know that they uh, would be classified as an outbreak and that we'd be sharing that information with the state and the um, state would classify in the same way. And then I worked with them um, late last week, as well as uh, today, around a critical analysis to really determine what what may be um, contributing to that within their establishment. So, were there any any points um, within their facility that may have um, caused it to be more possible to spread? Um, In other words, do they have a break room where folks take their masks off, or do they have some other type of event or activity where folks maybe are in closer contact without masks? and so they've been working on looking at that critically and um, sharing some of that information with me and that's part of what i'll be using uh, to make a reopening plan i anticipate they'll be closed at least through this week
3: Tony, i have a question about that um the senior center was classified as an outbreak and it followed all the protocols and it is no longer on the state's watch list isn't that correct
1: Yeah, that is correct. It took a while because it does take a while after you have your last um, case to not have any additional cases before it's no longer considered an outbreak. But yes, um, the Senior Care Center did have that classification and the staff there did an exemplary job as well as the leadership from Gunnison Valley Health to really, um, you know, immediately adjust and um, help the residents adapt to using um, measures to try to increase social distancing by having individuals stay in their rooms, by having uh, use of masks and hand hygiene, including um, hand sanitizer, and really upping um, their their uh, personal protective equipment with all of the personnel there at the Senior Care Center, as well as the assisted living, so that we didn't wind up with any cross-transfer between those two facilities. And they they did an excellent job. And clearly contained that quickly. Um, And we've seen other examples around the state that have not performed as well. So I I really applaud the work that they have done at the Senior Care Center to protect some of our most vulnerable residents.
3: Yeah, I was just gonna say that around the state, there's some real nightmare cases. Um, Some of this case resurgence, I'm sure is due to people's fatigue too. Fatigue with, you know, constantly hearing wear a mask, wash your hands, say socially distance. How do you best combat that? Yeah,
1: it's a challenge, because I think everybody wants a vacation, and everybody wants a vacation from COVID, and
3: And I'm I'm in that group. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think we all would like that. I think, um, you know, that's the reality, and I think that's human nature, that, um, you know, with time, it becomes more difficult, and it does become fatiguing, and I do think that it's, you know, one of the concepts we've talked about is really you know, sort of the lore of just a little cheat, like I'll just go with a couple friends or I'll just do this one activity um, with this person who probably did this one activity with this other person who did this one activity with another person. And we don't really think about kind of that exponential increase in our risk of exposure at the time. We really just think about our own you know, mental health and our own social health, which are very important. I don't wanna diminish that at all. And at the same time, trying to find that balance of really you know taking the precautions as best as possible and you know we're not going to be perfect no one's going to be perfect um doing everything we can collectively is what's going to make the difference um everybody doing their best effort um at all times and and i really believe that this county is is really um stellar as far as their response and their stamina in really continuing to respond to this um really uh, tremendous demand on everybody to change the way that we live and we interact and we work and shop and all the things that we do. But again, I think it's human nature to think of, you know, it's summer and let's take a break and let's forget for a little while what our cares and worries are. And unfortunately COVID doesn't take that break and isn't going on vacation for us. Thank you.
0: This is KBUT Community Radio News. My name is Christopher Biddle and we do have a listener submitted question jenny in gunnison would like to ask county commissioner liz smith Uh, the gunnison county sheriff's office was in the news this past week for disturbing posts made by a deputy who later resigned the sheriff's office in gunnison has a long history of turnover and trouble staffing like all other aspects of government law enforcement needs to be operating at full capacity during something like a pandemic What can the county do to improve the strength and quality of this department?
2: Oh, that's a that's a pretty big question. Um, So, I I mean, I know John Gallowich and he's he was recently elected in 2018. um, And I know that there has been some turnover since he took office. I have to say, for my own part, when I saw the posting that the the um, listener is referring to I was horrified. Um, This is not the kind of thing that belongs in our law enforcement anywhere. (laughs) Um, And we know that this is just sort of a, I think that we get the sense of how prevalent it is because of the larger national conversation that's taking place about law enforcement. Um, In terms of what the county can do, One of the things that I see um, an opportunity for in terms of the county's strategic plan moving forward is a more, um, I guess, formalized commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that doesn't necessarily mean defunding the police or we defund the sheriff's office, but I think that it does mean a strong commitment to ensuring that um, the types of trainings that have been shown to be effective so that law enforcement officials can interact with our entire community in positive ways and all of its diversity. This is something that I care very deeply about. And if we're if I were reelected, um, is something that I would um, fight to get into our county strategic plan.
0: Well, and it's interesting that uh, you brought up the idea that has been circulating uh, some people call it defunding the police because I, and I think actually what the question uh, what their listener the question was trying to get at um, was a, essentially a, a full team a full uh, a, a full roster of of sheriff's deputies um, because there has been a history of turnover. So perhaps uh, do you have any thoughts on you know how that might be accomplished uh, or has that. Not necessarily been a part of your conversations uh, as of yet uh, with the county commissioners.
2: Well, yeah, I've been drinking water through a fire hose ever since this all started up and so this is something that I I want to learn more about. Um, And so as a new county commissioner, I'm still learning the landscape here, so I don't know if I can make specific suggestions at this point, but I am like the listener concerned about this.
0: Um, And well, uh, you know, since we have brought up the idea of uh, enforcement, Joni, I was wondering if you could uh, tell us a little bit about plans to uh, track mask uh, wearing in Gunnison County. I know that that's a program that I believe the investigative science team uh, is is partaking in. Can you clue us in at all about how that is going?
1: Yeah, the investigative science team really worked to design a study, they based it on a study that was uh, completed in the Front Range through the Tri-County Health Department that uh, covers Arapahoe, Adams and Douglas counties. And so they um, adopted that for us here in Gunnison County. And essentially it means that we will um, have some folks um, that will train to be be observers, to observe at some high traffic, businesses throughout uh, Gunnison County and Crested Butte and Gunnison primarily um, to look for mask use. And we'll do it first.
0: Oh, we're having we'll conduct
1: a... a pilot first. So we're going to conduct a pilot this week just to um, find out.
0: All right. It sounded like maybe we are having a little bit of a connection problem there, but I think we've got everyone still on board. Uh, It is 6.28. Thank you so much for tuning in to KBUT this evening. We are uh, on Community Matters right now. Uh, This is our regular uh, panel show in which we discuss matters of the community. Support for KBUT comes from Somrac Concept and Structure, a Crested Butte general contractor offering design and build services from drawings through construction to a turnkey finished home, Ben and Kate Somrak are joined by a team who feel fortunate and humbled to help others bring their visions to life and make this magical place a home. Somrak.net, S O M R A K dot net. Thanks for tuning in. Do call in with your questions. Uh, we will have Dr. Eric France from uh, Colorado State's Public Health. Uh, joining us uh, just after uh, this little short break. You're listening to Community Matters right here on KBUT community radio for the Gunnison Valley. We're about midway through tonight's panel with guests being added right now while you listen to some messages of support for KBUT from our community. Don't forget we're in the middle of our summer membership drive and need your help. You can call us now at 970-349-7444 or go online to kbut.org to show your support. We'll be right back to Community Matters and stay tuned at 7 o'clock for virtual open mic night right here on KBUT.
1: There are two organs in this community, KBUT and the Gunnison Country Times that have forever in their existence been here for us in extreme situations. And they're here for us now. Great articles, great panels. Thank you, Chris and Christopher, for making that available.
4: Hey everybody, Jad here from Radio Lab. Now, Radio Lab listeners and KBUT listeners are adventurous, spirited folks. You are willing to tune in to Radio Lab, not knowing exactly what you're gonna get each week. You tune in and you trust that we are putting out a product that you will consistently enjoy. Well, it's like that with all the programming here on KBUT. The radio you hear on the station is always compelling, it is always informative. We trust that you'll help keep Radiolab and all the programs on KBUT going by making a pledge today. Call 349-7444. That's 349-7444, and make that pledge right now. And thanks.
0: Right, at 631, you're listening to Community Matters here on KBUT Community Radio for the Gunnison Valley. My name is Christopher Biddle. We are discussing COVID-19 in the Gunnison Valley and in the state of Colorado. And now just joining the conversation is Dr. Eric France, who's the chief medical officer for uh, the Colorado State uh, Public Health Department. Dr. France, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you being here.
4: Thanks, Christopher.
0: Happy to be here. So we just wanted to start out with a uh, an update from the state, because this is the first time we've had actually anybody from the state join us in these conversations. Uh, but from the point of view, what are your biggest concerns right now uh, what, uh, when you look around Colorado?
4: Well, you know, I think in general we're seeing that uh, after having a low, uh reduction in cases in June, we've been watching over the last month as cases have been going up, And um, the good news is that um, hospitalizations don't seem to be going up across the state. And in some ways hospitalizations is really the best measure to watch because if you're sick, you're gonna end up in the hospital. Whereas cases can fluctuate depending on whatever's going on around testing at that time. Uh, There may be reasons more cases are found one week compared to another. So uh, certainly we're watching closely the number of cases, but even more importantly, the fact that hospitalizations, um, which had gone up a little bit, seem to be stabilizing a bit right now. So it's an interesting period. We know the disease is here. We know that it's um, spreading. Uh, Death rates haven't been going up and hospitalization rates are steady. It's maybe a very fine balance, and uh, we're just paying close attention because we don't know which way we might fall. Will things get much worse over the next three weeks? Will things stay stable and improve? Uh, that's the difficulty of these pan- this pandemic is that um, there's so much that we learn as we go forward.
0: Um, and so, uh, forgive me, uh, you said to me earlier today that the state – uh, has actually in several circumstances looked to Gunnison County, uh, for their response to the, the outbreak, uh, and some of the leadership around that. Can you tell me more about that? Has Gunnison County succeeded in one way or another or fared better at containing the disease than other communities? Uh, is that sense that I'm getting correct?
4: We had our first case in Colorado on the 5th of March and, um, Things moved quickly. In, in you might remember that by the 16th or 17th, we were closing all boar, uh, bars for St. Paddy's Day, and we, we quickly then closed schools, and we we're making a lot of decisions at, at a fast pace. And we look we'd look around for ideas, and and there was Joni working hard in Gunnison, closing things down, uh, being 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 appropriately. Uh, Uh, aggressive when cases were on the rise in Gunnison. So absolutely, we found uh, our conversations with Joni to be particularly helpful uh, to get her ideas how she was thinking about it. Um, I think then she started thinking about uh, these different tiers by which you might decide uh, a a county might be open based on the, the level of disease in that county. And uh, we, we liked that model and then took it and developed it to the statewide mo- model of stay at home, safer at home, protect our neighbor. Uh, so it's fair to say that Joni and Gunnison County were early adopters for a lot of this work. And uh, it was very helpful having her thinking this through, taking action uh, for, the, for the whole state in, in that regard.
0: Um, and, you know, this is actually something that we talked about um, before you came into the conversation, Dr. France. Uh, but of course, we do know uh, from some reporting from the Colorado Sun that a lot of uh, public health officials across Colorado, Joni Reynolds being highlighted um, are, have, have been subject to harassment and, and, uh, some, some pretty, you know, horrible attacks. Um, and first of all, I, I did want to ask Joni without, because we don't want to carry on this conversation without her input on it. Of course, Joni, uh, how are you holding up against, uh, such harassment? What is, uh, how has that been for you?
1: Yeah, thanks, Christopher. You know, that there, there's been some dark days in this uh, response, but I, I can tell you overall, I'm not alone and I've gotten tremendous support both in our county and outside our county. And I think um, that's been sustaining for me um, personally and professionally. And I've um, been able to connect with colleagues, both regionally and across the state. Um, and then really the team here in Gunnison County has been uh, tremendous. We're actually gonna spend a little time um, this week in incident command, really talking about trauma and the experience that we've had collectively, and about um, mental health and recovery.
0: Great, and 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 thank you for that. And I wanted to send it then back to Dr. France because you are a member of uh, the team that uh, you know briefs the governor on the situations and um, the, the you know the state team. Uh, and I'm wondering if this is an issue that's talked about in some of those meetings. Um, of course, you know, trust in public health officials al- also has to do, uh, you know, there's problems with adherence to public health orders. Uh, not wearing masks could lead to more infections. Not abiding by social distancing could lead to more infections. Is this something that the state is talking about and how, Dr. France?
4: Yeah, yeah I think there, there's always this conversation going um, back and forth about um, how do we help um, encourage people to um, behave the way that is so important during a time of pandemic. Um, I think one thing the state has recognized, of course, is that it's the Joni Reynolds and the local public health agencies that are really driving what's happening in our communities. And so as the state was thinking about its tiering for potential variances that allow more opening. Um, Again, the stay at home, safer at home and protect our neighbor tiers, each with more open businesses and facilities. Much of the structure was also to say, in order to get to become as open as possible, you need to have a robust, strong local public health agency. A strong partnership with the county commissioners and sheriffs, as well as the local hospital. So not only does the disease have to be under under control, but all the structures around it that support public ha- uh, health have to be strong as well. So to be to move into the most open of these tiers, to protect our neighbor, really requires a county to show that the commissioners, the sheriff, the hospital, local public health, uh, they're all on board with what's going on. And um, I think that that's an effective way to be sure that everybody owns um, the work of staying healthy in a pandemic. It's not just owned by local public health, it's owned by all of us in the community.
0: You're listening. Go ahead, Chris.
3: Um, so around the state, you have varying degrees of restrictions, depending on caseloads. How do you manage the state like that? For example, if I were to go to Boulder for the weekend and I stop in Fairplay, which is Park County, um, how do you manage something like that with people moving around the state and varying degrees of restrictions?
4: Uh, good question, Chris. I, I think it begins by remembering the personal responsibilities we all have about how we behave to keep our ourselves covered with our mask, that we wash our hands, that we stay home when we're six, we, we stay six feet apart. We try and be outdoors for our meetings rather than indoors. And those basic activities, I think, are the core of what we can be doing. Each of the different settings then will, counties may have a different level of opening based on the degree of um, disease in that community and the, the degree of infrastructure for public health. So uh, I think it's the right approach um, to close everything down in a rural setting where by doing so you put at risk a variety of small businesses uh, when the risk for disease is Is actually low, um, seems to be uh, maybe at that at at any given point too much of a a reach. Yet in another part of the of the the state, there could be some serious outbreaks happening, and more needs to be done to control the spread of the virus by improving distancing and by potentially uh, reducing our physical, our, our distances through closures of businesses. So it's, it is a challenge, but I think it's the right approach that the governor's taking to try and be uh, sensitive to the local conditions.
0: It's 641. This is KBUT Community Radio for the Gunnison Valley. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Community Matters. You can call and ask your questions of our panel. Thank you to Dr. Eric France for answering that question and to Chris Rourke, editor of the Gunnison Country Times and my co-host for asking that question. And, and I may have cut you off. Chris, did you have a follow-up question? I apologize.
3: Yeah, the, the just a unrelated follow-up. As we move through the summer and we start to get into the fall, Um, I believe it's commonly believed right now that this virus is transmitted through close contact and droplets. We've seen a surge, a, a resurgence in states where people have been driven indoors because of high heat. You know, the high heat's not killing off the virus, it's driving people indoors into air conditioning. So what are we looking at November, December in Gunnison when it gets really god awful cold here and we're all inside?
4: Yeah, that's a great question Uh, and add to it that we may have influenza at that time of year as well, so the flu might be yet one more factor to be uh, bringing in. Um, I would say that uh, this is a a great reflection of what's so challenging about all this. It's hard to know uh, because we haven't been through this before and so we're, um, we have to be always ready to learn just in time, certainly to be as most prepared as possible as we think forward what could be the case, but also always be willing to take in the information, what's happening and make quick decisions. It's a a characteristics of, of working during a time of a pandemic that people need to understand decisions will be made fast based on the best available information and that um, a decision made today may need to change in two or three weeks when things change. And we just have to be forgiving and understanding that these kinds of things might happen. So what do we know about November? Well, you're right. It seems to me that uh, we'll have to be thinking through uh, our work situations, our, uh, our businesses, and other settings where we might be all coming together if we're seeing an expanded number of cases again, and most of our days are spent inside, uh, there may be a reconsideration for restricting so that we're not uh, all facing each other at that time. So we'll have to stay flexible. We'll have to see what happens uh, with the spread of the virus and the disease through the state. And know that local public health will help us understand what's happening and make decisions Uh, for the local communities about what the best next steps are.
0: It's 644. Thank you, you, Dr. Eric France uh, and Chris Rourke for asking that question. It is at 644. This is KBUT Community Radio for the Gunnison Valley. 970-349-7444 is the number to call to become a member today, as well as ask your question of our panel. We have representatives from public health departments with uh, Gunnison County and the state for the first time on this show. Uh, And so this actually is a question to both Joni and Dr. France. Joni, if you could start out though, um, there has been more news in terms of testing and our ability to get test results in a timely manner. Can you give us an update on that?
1: Yeah. Thanks Christopher. We are um, working with Our healthcare system around uh, testing in the community. And they're doing that testing on a scheduled basis, uh, six days a week um, here in Gunnison. And that's been really successful. We've been able to schedule both individuals that need tests because they have symptoms by contacting our call center, those folks are getting scheduled. And that is 641-7660 for anyone that needs the call center. And um, in addition, we've been able to use that um, for testing individuals that are contacts of those that we have as a positive test and and also for others in the community, um, say individuals that need to be tested for other reasons. So the testing itself is going really well, getting the samples to the state lab and then getting the results back from the state lab. I've had some delays in them, although over the weekend as we got the results back, those um, delays have shortened. I did talk last Friday um, with the state executive director, Jill Hunsaker-Ryan about some of the challenges for us Um, both on two levels, one in the transport time that it takes for us to get those samples to the state lab, which is by vehicle, and then also just the turnaround time. The state lab, and I'm sure Dr. France can speak more to it, has increased their capacity. And I think that's what we're benefiting from now with the shorter turnaround times.
0: And I would like to send that question to Dr. France. Although Joni, can you just clarify something for me? You did say that uh, Gunnison County is testing with all contact tracing. Is it true, though? I it was my understanding that there that you are no longer testing asymptomatic patients—not uh, patients, not patients uh, but asymptomatic people discovered through contact tracing, right? You've sort of you pulled back in that regard to conserve tests.
1: You're right. We You're right, Christopher. We've prioritized anyone with symptoms that's a contact, and um, we have lowered the priority for those without symptoms. Um, As far as testing, we have not changed, though, um, in our contact tracing and follow up for those individuals, our recommendations um, and working with them around isolation and quarantine. And so we're still working with them to stay isolated for the 14 days to prevent the further spread in the
0: Sure. Uh, And so, Dr. France, um, I would like an update from you on the states uh, where where the state is with testing. We know that the governor uh, made a promise to increase turnaround time uh, and increase testing uh, to work more independently from the federal government, I believe. Uh, And I I wanted to specifically ask about the possibility of a testing site in Grand Junction, because we know that that came up It was proposed, and of course, we're here on the Western Slope. So Dr. France, uh, what can you tell us?
4: Um, Well, testing of course is really one of the bedrock ways that we help control this virus. Um, And so it's important that we have the amount of testing that we need. I think when this started in the beginning of March, our lab could run 160 tests a day. And um, quickly we got the resources required Uh, I think they ran a high 5,000 over maybe 5,800 tests at the end of last week at our state lab. Uh, They're running three shifts each day now, so that was expanded uh, probably two weeks ago now for that nighttime shift to get these through. We had an all-time high of over 16,000 tests done in the state a few days ago. as you can see, the majority of tests are done through commercial labs, LabCorp, Quest, there are others, and those commercial labs are servicing the entire country. And so when there's a terrible outbreak in Florida, Texas, Arizona, uh, the high turnaround times from Quest and, and, and LabCorp seem to be focused on those those states rather than ours. And so LabCorp might be taking seven, eight, 10 days to turn around a test here in Colorado. Our own lab is turning around tests around four days. um, And our goal is to get it down to uh, two days. Um, And we're we're, uh, exploring and are finalizing some contracts with some other companies that will also uh, have a a good impact, I think, on improving our our testing uh, that I hope will hear announced um, in the near future. Christopher, I have not heard about the Grand Junction testing site. Um, I do know that we have uh, testing sites across uh, many of our counties, um, and our website um, has a listing of all of our websites. So people who are looking across the Western Slope for a place to get tested can find the, the sites themselves listed on that
0: website. I should clarify, a, a lab in Grand Junction for actually doing the test and get it, and, and that, that would be one way of turnaround around as opposed to getting tests, you know, uh, patients taking the test.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't heard about that. And okay. I would say that, you know, it's not uncommon that hospitals and other care delivery systems build in their own lab the ability to do these tests. So it may be that in part some of the local hospitals are not going to be able to do more in the Grand Junction area.
0: Sure. Uh, It is 6.51 right now. We have nine minutes left uh, in our conversation this evening coming up next on KBUT. It's a virtual open mic night, uh, a, g- a wonderful experience, something uh, that this community radio station has is, is creatively come up with uh, in the era of COVID-19. So please do stick around for that. Uh, we are not taking any more listener questions as of right now. However, this conversation always continues and you can always send your questions or comments to news at kbut.org. Uh, I want to thank Chris Rourke for being with us tonight, and I wanted to uh, ask a final question of all three of our panelists. Um, We're starting to hear things about the coronavirus uh, being with us indefinitely. Uh, First of all, I wanted to know what your reaction to that is, uh, whether you think that's a hoax or whether you believe it or... Uh, what what that means to you, and then secondly, the follow-up question. Uh, I'm going to put that against the backdrop of a tourism economy, both here in Gunnison County and uh, in the state of Colorado. How would a uh, a permanent uh, place for COVID-19 work in Colorado, in in Gunnison County, and how? might it uh, change things and should conversations around uh, a tourism economy not necessarily being uh, such a high percentage of the the, uh, income, um, should those conversations be happening? And we're going to send that to Liz Smith, who we haven't heard from in a while. So County Commissioner Liz Smith, what are your thoughts uh, for a a future with COVID-19?
2: Well, that is a bleak, uh, that is a bleak uh idea that you just threw out there, Christopher. I haven't heard that. Um, My hope is that once we have a vaccine and it looks like there are several promising vaccines in the works and different methods of um, quelling the spread of the virus and its effect on people, my hope would be is that it would have a minimal effect on our tourism economy and that we would be able to resume life that is more reflective of what we understand to be normal in a pre-COVID world. So um, that would absolutely be my hope um you bring up an interesting point and i'd be really interested to look at the studies that you're mentioning and hear what joni hear what the rest of our panelists have to say about this who are uh you know much better versed in in this area than i am well I do have a follow-up questions that
0: sure absolutely well go if you want to go ahead chris go ahead
3: okay so liz for years commissioners the county um, have been working on moving away from and diversifying the economy. It not being just tourism-based, but you know, bringing in entrepreneurs and the establishment of the ice lab. Do you think that this pandemic really heightens um, the need for that? And, and do you see that happening as, as we move forward, waiting on a vaccine or no?
2: Well, certainly, I think that the virus has exposed these vulnerabilities in our local economy. So, um, and we have made, I think that the ice lab and other entities here in the valley have made some headway um, on diversifying our economy so that, you know, we're not as tethered to the tourism season and if it gets disrupted, it's just catastrophic. Um, So that's work that I would want to see continue. and. You know, I think that we're working in that direction.
3: Thanks.
0: Sorry, Chris, to go rogue on you. Not at all. Thanks, Chris. Uh, so, Dr. France, I know that you've done some work in vaccinations. Um, first of all, what is your reaction to people saying that COVID-19 might be with us permanently? Do you, what's your take on that? Well,
4: it it would be depressing uh, to to think that would be our future. I would say that there are a lot of viruses that have been with uh humans for millennia and vaccination has helped control and even eliminate some so um today actually marks the first day i think of a of a large vaccine trial by a company called moderna they're going to be enrolling thirty thousand people half of them will get the vaccine half of them will get a placebo and there will be two other companies that will be following shortly with similar size, uh, randomized studies of 30,000. And so it's really the fastest in the history in terms of the turning around from being able to identify the virus to actually having a vaccine out and being tested. So I'm hopeful that um, these vaccine trials will, will find us uh, a protective vaccine. Um, vaccines are 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 accepted by a population in many ways based on how high the risk is of the disease. And I think we'll all be worried enough that we'll all be lining up to, to be vaccinated. And so I'm hopeful and um, optimistic that uh, a year from now, um, life will be closer to normal than it is today.
0: And Joni Reynolds, we have about four minutes left. Can What are your thoughts? Do you think COVID-19 will be with us permanently? Do you think, for instance, uh, enough people will wanna take the vaccine? Because we know that that's a conversation that's come up recently. Some are worried about the rate at which it's being uh, produced. But uh, what are your takes on a, a future with COVID-19 or not?
1: Yeah, thanks, Christopher. And, and I share Liz and Dr. Francis' thoughts that it'll it, it's depressing to think about that um, framework that we're gonna learn to live with this virus um, throughout um, our future history but I also know that um, I have some optimism that uh, this this country I think back to days when smallpox was the scourge and folks never thought that would ever move to the level they knew nothing compared to what we know today when it comes to viruses and bacteria and yet they were effective in finding a way and that uh, virus has been eliminated from our population across the entire globe and What a fantastic achievement that is and many other vaccines that we work with um, throughout history, but certainly more timely things like influenza are highly effective and particularly in preventing complications and hospitalizations, which is really the goal um, with this virus too. And so I'm really optimistic about the vaccine trials. I'm optimistic that there's evolving scientific. And while it's challenging to hear that news, sometimes it's important because that's really part of what the development is with this virus. We learn more as we move forward and that new knowledge is what's going to be able to help us find treatments or vaccine. Um, We are going to spend some time um, in the first week of August talking about vaccine safety and what those um, requirements and processes are at the federal level that assure safety in vaccines. And we're going to talk about both influenza vaccine, as well as uh, the work that's being done on the production of a COVID-19 vaccine. So hopefully folks will be able to join us for that.
0: Great. Thank you, uh, Joni, public health director with Gunnison County for answering that question and for uh, being part of the conversation tonight and all the other evenings that you've joined us. We so appreciate having you with us, Joni.
1: Thank you, Christopher and Chris both. I appreciate the time with both of you.
0: Thank you so much. And Liz Smith, uh, welcome to the conversation and thank you for joining us this evening. We appreciate you.
2: Thank you. It's been
0: a pleasure. Dr. Eric France, uh, Chief Medical Officer with the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. Dr. France, thank you so much for joining us uh, for the conversation this evening.
4: Thanks, Christopher and Chris. And uh, thank you, Joni. You've been a powerful force in public health for the state of Colorado. I really appreciate your work.
0: Thank you. And finally, thank thank you to uh, Chris Rourke, My co-host partner in crime, uh, a fellow journalist here in the Gunnison Valley, uh, not only for joining us every, uh, every, well, not every Monday, but uh, for these shows every time that we've done one and for putting out a a newspaper every week, Chris. Thank you for that as well. Uh, We appreciate having you. Thank you. This is KBUT Community Radio for the Gunnison Valley. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. Coming up next We're going to be doing a uh, virtual uh, open mic night. Uh, Virtual open mic night coming up next here on Community Radio for the Gunnison Valley. Should be a good time. Uh, Stick with us and become a member today at KBUT.org or call 970-349-7444.